Welcome to the Cycle 365. I'm one of your hosts, Cody Stoffer, And I'm Jesse Booten. And we're here on episode 23 of the Cycle 365. Cycle 365, covering all bases in sport, but we're starting with the XFL. Per tradition, basically. Yeah, well, not starting with the XFL tradition, but XFL weekly tradition. Yeah, we're. I wonder how many other stations cover the XFL <laughs> like we do. I don't know. Unfortunately, we're missing our uh, our friend Simon today. Good luck. Yeah, he's uh, he's in high school again. He is. Student he's teaching. Back in high school. So good luck to him. Um, he needs this first week to adjust. <laughs> yeah. So, me and Cody are gonna take the reins today, and um, we're gonna give it to you straight. Yep. So, first game of the weekend was on Saturday. Was the Wildcats at the Guardians, and we all got this one wrong. We did. The Guardians. The Guardians ended up winning seventeen to fourteen. Yeah. I. Uh, it was basically a defensive slugfest. Mm-hmm. I mean, there was still some offense, but... I mean, Johnson threw for like... 325 yards. Yeah, he threw for a bunch, but they just didn't really translate to points, though. Yeah. The, um, the running game wasn't really there for the Wildcats. And it was not. I You could attribute that to um, Carter's injury. Yeah, Carter did not play. He was inactive. Also, um, their number one receiver, Nelson Spruce, was also inactive. So that could have had uh, something to do with it as well. I guess, yeah, we talked about the Wildcats real fast. The running day didn't get going. Trey McBride still had another good day. I think he's shown, I we talked about him a little bit last week, he's shown that he, he's the number two guy in Nelson Spruce, and I think those two together are a lethal combination. I, I, I feel like they're the best receiving duo, pair yeah. duo in the XFL. In the MXFL, yeah, I would agree with that for sure. Trey McBride and uh, Nelson Spruce. So we'll see. Hopefully Nelson Spruce can come back this week. What was his injury? Was it a hamstring thing? I think so. I think it was just a muscle muscle issue. So he should be good to go, and we'll see moving forward. I mean, I feel like the Wildcats definitely need that firepower, and they, they need the running game to be working, They too. really do. Because then it opens up the passing game. Well, yeah, Josh Johnson is definitely, uh, I would say, well, he is the most seasoned veteran NFL quarterback, so he needs it most of an like the closest to an NFL offense he can get to be successful, and that is to get the running game going. Yeah, I mean, you're not going to win a game if Josh Johnson has to throw the ball 40, 40 times. Yeah, 40 times. That's way too many, for especially Johnson, yes. for just the XFL in general. Yeah. And, like, even in the NFL, when a quarterback starts to get near 40 pass attempts, you're it doesn't done. translate to wins yeah. that often. Um, so. But I think the running back will be back. What's the name, sorry? Blanking on him. Carter. Carter, I think, yes. I think Carter will be back next week as well, and I think Nelson Spruce will, and I think they will get back on track. It's not time to panic no, for the Wildcats, no. especially with other things that happened in the West this week that yeah. we'll get to. No, they will be okay. But this win was huge for the Guardians. Yeah, they really like, needed it. <laughs> we talk about the Wildcats not being completely healthy on offense, but the Guardians played a great defensive game. They I mean, did. they had a blocked field goal, and they were all over the quarterback all game. Yeah, um, they're still, they still worry me with their discipline. Um, Are we talking about the safety through the flag back at the ref? Yeah, I'm yeah. still worried about that because I'm mean, like, this is the team, if you remember last week, we talked about how they're starting, starting fights on the sidelines between players and coaches, um, and now they're throwing flags at the refs. Like, what is going on? I mean, I feel like that's a coaching thing, you know? I mean, yeah. you, have to, you have to get control of your players and... You know, Simon brought it up that some of the things that the coach says on the sideline are kind of suspect, too. Yeah. 
But I feel like the Guardians, honestly, I feel like they left points on the board, too. Mm-hmm. They, had, they had, like, a dropped touchdown at one point. Yeah. And a couple of dropped passes. But I feel like Perez is definitely the answer mm-hmm. at quarterback. Yeah, and, let's, let's, let's talk, talk about Luis Perez. Um, we did say last week that, obviously, Matt McGlynn is done. Um, we just didn't know if it was going to be Williams or Perez going. And I think we all agreed that maybe we thought it would be Williams. But it should have been Perez, but they're going to go with Luis Perez moving forward. He started this game, played most of the game, um, played all the game, really. I think He got the win. Yeah, and he got the win. Um, so I think we are happy and not su- – I wouldn't say surprised, but we are pleased that they are starting Luis Perez already this soon. Absolutely. I mean, I think we said that if they didn't start Perez sooner rather than later, they weren't going to be in contention for a playoff spot. And I honestly think with as weak as the East is – that Luis Perez is the quarterback to go with for the Guardians because oh, yeah, even to. with the concerns that the New York squad has, the East really isn't that good. No. Other than like one team. So we're it's wide it's that, wide yeah. open and we'll get to that. St. So. Louis is is the best team, but we'll get to them in a second. Um but yeah, I think the Guardians with Luis Perez as the quarterback, manning the uh the offense, I think they ha- I think they're in a good spot and I think that they will get some more wins. Yeah, and I think the, like we said, their discipline needs to get cleaned up, but their defense still plays pretty hard. Yeah, they I mean, do. they play great inside the box. Their mm-hmm. cornerbacks, I mean, outside of the one that was tasked with Trey McBride, you know, I mean, yeah, Trey McBride. I mean, they still made plays in the secondary though. Yeah, like they have a lot of pass deflections, mm-hmm. and they're willing to go up for the ball. And yeah. I feel like anytime they get burnt, is from being too aggressive. Yeah. So I think also with Lu- Luis Perez manning the offense, I think it showed. Or, like, it showed very well that they could get the running game going with him, too. Because, yeah, uh, Darius Victor, their running back, he had 82 rushing yards. So, I mean, they got the running game going. Um, I mean, yeah, because the Wildcats couldn't just put eight in the box and force Matt McLean to throw an interception. <laughs> You're right. You're right. So, I think that was big that they got the running game. And I think, yeah, I think I think moving forward, the Guardians will be, be good. Yeah. Well, that, else? that does it for this game. Yeah, anything else to say about this team? Yeah. No. All right. So the second game of the weekend, uh, second Saturday and the Saturday afternoon game was the Seattle Dragons at the St. Louis Battlehawks. I think we all picked Seattle to win. Or sorry, St. Louis. No, wait. You picked Seattle. Simon and I picked Seattle. And I picked St. Louis. You picked St. Louis. So Jesse was the only one who got this one right. And I would like to point out that Seattle's defense played really well. Yep. They had 10 tackles for loss in this game, which is definitely up there in, like, the games of XFL history so far. But, but the um, offense is so bad. Yeah, we'll get to the offense in Let's talk about the winning team. Let's talk about St. Louis first. Um, Jordan Taylor would just play better. That's really what it is. You, said, mean, their defense, you said that the Dragons' defense played good. Jordan Taylor, Jordan Taylor would just play better. He, he really did. And they got off to a really fast start, too. Mm-hmm. And the Dragons just don't have the offensive firepower to catch up. I mean... He he had over 300 all-purpose yards. Yeah, and no turnovers. So I mean, that's big for that's quarterback doesn't turn the ball over and goes for three touchdowns. Sorry, just yeah, he only had one passing touchdown, but over 300 all-purpose yards. It's because he had 63 rushing yards. So yeah, and no turnovers. That's gonna win you lots of games. (laughs) I mean, especially in the XFL, if your quarterback doesn't put you in a hole by turning the ball over, you're more likely to win. Because I mean. If we think of the amount of times in the XFL so far where a quarterback hasn't turned the ball over versus has turned the ball over more than they've even thrown touchdowns, yeah. the ratio is 
ridiculous. Is favored yeah. towards turning the ball over. Yeah. That's the quality that we're looking mm-hmm. at in the XFL. Yeah. So if you can't, if you manage to not turn the ball over, you should win the game. Yeah, so I think um, this game really, Jordan Tayamu won the game for him. I think their defense played well. I mean, but I would attribute that more to Seattle's offense just not being good. And we'll get to that in a second. I mean, but, the running game for the Battle Hawks really didn't get going, mm, though. So, like, besides Jordan he, Tayamu, yeah. I mean, yeah, he had to throw the ball. Yeah. Um, and he threw the ball well. And I think I think player-wise, that's the only really person I wanted to highlight on this team. Well, I'm going to highlight something else in just a second about St. Louis. But um, Jordan Tayamu had a, a really good game. And I think he is one of the top three quarterbacks in this league right now. And I think he will continue to be successful moving forward. Yeah. Um, all right, so the thing I wanted to touch on real fast, too, um, I think what what is really helping out this Battlehawks team is this like we just we just looked it up and the, the support that they're getting in St. Louis. Um, we know how much St. Louis loves their sports, and they're really happy there's a football team back. Um, and we just read a report that the Battlehawks are getting such a big fan base and support that they're actually going to open the upper deck of the stadium. Wait, this, and this is good for a handful of reasons. Yes. One, it's good for the XFL. Yeah. Because, you know, the more tickets, the more revenue, the more that they can expand and get bigger players. Mm-hmm. And then this is great for the city of St. Louis. We've yeah. talked about, you know, they didn't want the Rams to leave. They did not. And they're, they're playing in the same stadium that the Rams mm-hmm. did, but, you know, the NFL has certain standards on the stadiums. Yeah. And the owner decided, no, instead of fixing this stadium... We're going to move to Los Angeles. Yeah. So, you know, those former Rams fans who watched their team win a Super Bowl. Yeah. It was the St. Louis Rams that won a Super Bowl, not the L.A. Rams. Mm -hmm. Still haven't. Yeah. You know, they love love their football team. Yeah. And now they have another one. The Battlehawks. That's their team. And they're good. (laughs) Yeah, they are good. I I just said a few minutes ago when we were talking about the uh, L.A. uh, Guardians game, I think... St. Louis is the best team in the East. Absolutely. Um, and I think that that will be um, continuing going forward. I think they will be the number one team. Again, we talked about how the East isn't as strong as the West. But St. Louis, I think, could compete with the top teams in the West. I think that's how good they are. So I think, I think that they're the best team in the East, and they will continue to roll there. Um, and for our listeners that don't know, um, all of these stadiums – that are being played in NFL stadiums, so there's not a, a lot, but like Seattle is playing in the uh, Seahawks stadium. Um, I think that's the only one. New York is playing York, in that one. Yes. So both of those, both of those stadiums have only opened their lower decks, so like the lower section, so the 100 level section. And even even then, you can see at Guardians games that like it's not very uh-huh. full. Yeah. Um, the Seattle games are more full, but yeah. So that's, that's I'm just trying to give us give the listeners uh, an idea of what it's like. So those. Those NFL stadiums are only using their 100 level level stands, whereas now St. Louis is playing in an NFL stadium. Fit as many people as they can, and as many people that want to come, they're opening that second deck, yeah. which is the first. Is the first, you know. And this is really important for the Battle Hawks, especially looking. They're the number one seed in the East right now. Field during their playoff game. I feel like, you know, it'll be critical to their success. So now we can talk about Seattle. Yeah. Um, What's the answer? I mean, the offense is the problem. Yes, it really is. (laughs) I mean, do you think that they start B.J. Daniels? They were both bad. 
I'm gonna be honest. Well, okay. Why not start Keenan Reynolds? He played quarterback for Navy. <laughs> I mean, that might be what they have to do if they want. I mean, the more games that they lose, the further they fall behind in the West. Yeah. And the West is good. Really good. We'll get to like, it with Houston and Dallas. Even with even with the losing teams, you know, like the Wildcats and even the Dragons that have losing records, like they're still better than the worst teams in the East, I think. Yeah. So But I'm saying but again, yeah, like you said, Seattle plays in the West and even knowing they're tied right now rank like record wise with LA, LA is a much better team. Um, but we'll get to that in a second. Because they have they have an answer at quarterback. Yeah. And the Brandon Daniels, it's not it's, working. Yeah, so Let's just go through. Let's just walk the viewers or the listeners through this game. So Brandon Silver's who Silver's. I don't know why I said Dan. Yeah, no, you're good. But he played. Um, we'll yeah. get to say Brandon Silver started, and unfortunately, I'm I'm upset at him because last week I was giving him a ton of praise. I was like, if he continues to play well, he can be a top five quarterback in this league, just to go out and poop the bed, right? Yeah. Um, so he goes out there and he played terrible. Um, so so B J Daniels, their backup quarterback, came in. Um, he's more of a running style quarterback. I mean, he ran for 84 yards. He, he's a former NFL guy too. Yeah, he ran for 84 yards. He had a 100 passing yards of a passing touchdown and interception. So he didn't play bad, but he's definitely not the answer moving forward. Um, they I mean, they need help at quarterback. I mean, we'll see. You know, they should probably start BJ Daniels next week mm-hmm. and just see how he does with a full game. Yeah, because it's always a bit more difficult to come in. Yeah. Later in the game. And they've used him kind of randomly throughout the season, too, for, like, read option reasons. So I want to see him get a whole game under his belt. And we'll talk about that in the preview for the next week's games. But yeah. I feel like they should give him at least one chance before Keenan. turning over to Keenan Reynolds. Well, Keenan Reynolds is, is their wide receiver. Like, they draft him as a wide receiver. They want him to play wide receiver. But I guess he could be your quote-unquote emergency quarterback because he did play quarterback for Navy in college. Yeah. Um, he wasn't bad either. No, so. he, he was one of the best quarterbacks to ever play there. Yeah. So, I mean, <laughs> he still can play quarterback, um, which would be good. But I think also we got to look at, again, this offense. We talked about it last week. Seattle just cannot get a running game going. They didn't get it going. They haven't got it going all year. And they really need to they get really it going. They really need to get it going. You cannot have your, your like, B.J. Daniels, your leading quarterback. Or, your sorry, your starting quarterback leading rushing, you know. Like with 84 yards, you gotta have your running backs go, and they have good running backs, um, and they have a good defense. I think, I think Seattle's defense is solid, and I think that they can compete in this XFL high. I honestly, level. I honestly think this, the Dragons might have the best defense in the XFL. You're right, but their offense is holding so them back. So bad, yes. <laughs> yeah. So. So I think moving forward, we'll look forward to seeing what these guys do at quarterback. See if something <laughs> happens. Yeah. But any other comments? On Dragons Battlehawks? Uh, I don't think so. I think it'll be exciting. Well, one team is declining while the other is inclining. So we'll see if Seattle can keep it. Or, yeah, Seattle can pick it up and St. Louis can keep it going. Yep. All right. Should we move on to Sunday games? The game of the week. The game of the week. The Texas Throwdown. Texas Throwdown. Did not disappoint <laughs> unless you were a Renegades fan like Simon. Simon. <laughs> That's the real reason he couldn't be here, because he's just heartbroken. Still. From, you know, the Re- from the Renegades game, um, but <laughs> we watched. We, all three of us watched this game together. The uh, the preview was pretty cool. I mean, I mean, it, it was Texas it was throwdown. Good. It was good. Like, this is supposed to be the rivalry of the XFL. It was a well marketed game. It really was. Um, there was lots of people there. It was it was good. Houston did win, 
27 to 20, but it definitely was a good game. Definitely mm. held the game of the week. The Renegades played. So we'll start with the Renegades. Okay. About what went well, what went wrong. Okay. So what went well? The Renegades played great defense. I mean, they, they held did. PJ Walker yeah. to pretty pedestrian numbers. I mean, compared to PJ Walker. Yeah, PJ Walker pedestrian numbers. Yeah, 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 yeah. It was about an average XFL quarterback day. Yeah. <laughs> For PJ uh, Walker. Still above average, honestly. Because he had more touchdowns than interceptions. Yeah, but he still only threw for 239 yards, two touchdowns and interceptions. So that's I mean, an average XFL quarterback. Eh, with, I mean, who's average? Who would be right in the middle? You know, like Cornelius. I mean, he's basically like the middle. So, like, you know, yeah. I'd say he's above, that's still above average because yeah. there's more TDs than picks. All right, but still, I mean, like, but but the Renegades still, you know, they forced that interception and they kept him bottled up. Too. They didn't let him run, run crazy, like, and that was important. Yeah. Granted, PJ Walker did truck one of the renegade linebackers. He threw his threw his shoulder into this dude and ran him over. I think it was actually a safety. So it was a safety. Yeah. Okay, a little bit less embarrassing, but yeah, he still absolutely <laughs> annihilated somebody. Yeah. And Simon said, "Try that again." But anyways, we're not talking about PJ Walker yet. We'll get to we'll get to yeah, Houston. Yeah, let's but, finish. Let's finish up with Dallas. They did play good on defense. For how many turnovers, Landry Jones? gave to Houston. The defense did very well only holding them to to what? Three field goals? Yeah, off those turnovers. Yeah, so I mean like, the defense played really well. The defense played out of its mind. And you have to think in a one score game that the offense was the problem for the Renegades. I wouldn't say it was the offense. I would say it's the turnovers. It was a problem. That was a problem. I mean, they still got a running game going. Uh, with Lance Dunbar and Cameron Artis Payne, they both still ran decently. Lance Dunbar had a rushing touchdown. Landry Jones still threw for over 200 yards. Um, the receivers played well. He just, Landry Jones just turned the ball over four times. I mean, one of those interceptions was a drop pass from Jazz Ferguson. So, hit him right in the hands. Hit him right, right in the hands. Yeah. But the other three, completely on <laughs> Landry Jones. Don't even know where he was looking for half those. Well, two of them were interceptions and one was a fumble. Yeah. That guy returned for a touchdown, but. Um, anyways, later. Landry Jones turned the ball over way too much. He also got hurt. Which puts this Renegades team in a bad spot. Yeah. Because their backup is... Philip Nelson, and he's not going to win games for he's... them. No. Um, even though he did win the very first game against the Battlehawks, but that was before the Battlehawks, we, we're just wiping week one because we... It's like I said, week one didn't count because it was... First I mean, week of the XFL. If we, I mean, if we look at week one to now, these teams They're are completely different. completely different other than the Roughnecks. Yeah. They're the only consistent team yeah. in this entire league. Yeah. So, yes, yeah, so Landry Jones did end up getting hurt. We'll talk about that more in our preview in the next segment, but... He's out for four to six weeks. He's out for four to six weeks, Which so. is a long time in XFL time. Well, yeah, that's the rest <laughs> of the regular season. Yeah. So. <laughs> Anything else on the Renegades? I think... Again, I think we'll talk about them a little more in the future, but... Okay. Funniest clip from the whole weekend was when they had Bob Stoops, the Renegades coach, mic'd up on Landry Jones's third interception? A second, second. Second interception. Yeah, it was the dropped one by Jess Ferguson. <laughs> as a mic'd up and right as the ball pops out of Ferguson's hands and into the defender's hands, Bob Stoops just goes, no. <laughs> like, he, he just sounded like yeah. he was so tired of it. <laughs> no. So... <laughs> Maybe we could put that in the of the description of this video. Yeah. Bob Soup. No. <laughs> As Landry Jones throws his second pick of the day. Also so that was really funny. That reminded me, last thing I'm gonna say about the Renegades. 
their offensive coordinator got tackled. <laughs> not tackled. He got so like Lance, Lance or Cameron Harris Payne. I think it was Dunbar. I think it was Cameron Harris. Or maybe it was Payne. Artist Payne. One of the running backs. Got pushed out of bounds running full speed, ran into their offensive coordinator. Dallas is off the his own offensive coordinator, and he broke his leg. Yeah. And he coached. <laughs> the that was like the second, second quarter. quarter. So he coached an entire half of football with a broken leg. Yeah. And when asked about it on Twitter, he said that he's like no weakling or something like that. Uh, yeah, it was really funny. It was funny. But he's going to be okay. He's going to coach next week. So. Yeah. That's pretty cool. But, oh yeah, I almost forgot about that. Yeah, the Renegades had a lot going on this weekend. They really did. But let's move on to Houston now. Yeah, let's talk about the winners of this game. The winners game. I think this personally came out, like we said, P.J. Walker didn't have his normal game. He still had a good game. Not saying it was bad. P.J. Walker's really He's good. still part of the reason that they won. Yes, but I think it goes down to Houston's defense. Houston's defense played great. I mean, hey, let's give a quick shout-out to the Houston kicker, though. Yeah. For getting some points on those yeah. possessions where they yeah. definitely wanted to get... Mm-hmm. A touchdown on those possessions, but, but he still gave them some he points, also, and he's a huge part of the reason that they won this he game. He didn't miss. Yeah, he did not miss a field goal. So, um, yeah, I think we'll just recap here. Running game didn't really get going, but we haven't really seen much of a running game from Houston, and you don't I mean, need, you don't need a running game when PJ Walker is. I mean, they run they run a spread offense. You yeah, know? they don't even have a tight end on the roster, mm-hmm. so they they usually run four wide receivers, a running back, and PJ Walker. Yep. So PJ Walker threw, like we said earlier, threw for two hundred or yeah, two hundred thirty nine yards. And two touchdowns and an interception. The majority of that went to his receiver, who's actually a running back, Nick Holly. I mean, he he just appeared like a mismatch out of the backfield mm-hmm. against those running game linebackers. He also didn't line up as in the backfield as a running back. He actually would be flexed out in the slot most of the time. Didn't they motion him a lot too? Yeah. I feel like they just saw the man on man coverage mm-hmm. and just attacked it. So he was the biggest. I think he was the most production. I think, and it was good to see. Someone, uh, someone else in this offense produce. I think he was the biggest production for Houston's offense besides P.J. Walker, Nicole. Yeah. Moving forward, I think he's going to have a big role in this offense. Yeah, absolutely. But, like you said, the defense was the name of the game. Mm-hmm. I mean, they forced four turnovers. They did. One of them returned for a touchdown. And they scored the game-winning touchdown. Yeah. What would be the mm-hmm. game-winning touchdown? It wasn't tied at that point. Yeah. But that, that eventually was the game-winning touchdown for... The Roughnecks. Uh-huh. But you could also put, at the same time, this defense, the Renegades were driving to tie the game at 27-26-27. Well, they probably would have taken the lead or been down by one because of the weird rules. But they're on, they on the three-yard line, I think, and Philip Nelson threw the ball out there and it got intercepted by one of the linebackers because it was another drop. I mean, you got to make heads-up plays like that. Mm-hmm. They did seal the deal. They sealed the deal. And... Honestly, like that's what you want to see from, I what what I think is the championship favorite yes, right absolutely. now. I mean, they haven't lost a game, and you know they're able to close out close games because we've seen teams in the past that they dominate and they dominate and they dominate, and then they can't close out tough games. Mm-hmm. But the Roughnecks are proving that they're able to do just that against you know a formidable opponent in the Dallas Renegades. Well, the Dallas Renegades are were considered to be the the championship. Favorite going into the season, so I mean, like, and that's what we'll talk about. We can talk about that now because our last two games don't matter. About the West, let's talk about the XFL West. Um, I think the West is the strongest because of these two teams. Even though Dallas lost and they're two and two, I think they would beat any other team besides Houston. Yeah, and I mean, they also just like, but we'll have to see what happens with Landry Jones out and yeah. see what, what the future looks like. But we'll talk about that in a little bit. Yeah. Um, 
Does that do it for... That's it for this game, I think. Let's move on to the last game. I mean, there's really not much to talk about. The Vipers, Tempe Vipers, were at home against the DC Defenders, and they smacked them. 25 to nothing. Yeah. So, in the past two weeks, the Defenders have been outscored 64 to 9. I think it's panic time for DC. It's time to panic. Because of Cardell Jones. I really thought Cardell Jones was going to have a bounce back week. He did not. He played even worse. Yeah. He only threw for 72 yards and an interception, and then he got pulled. Yeah. I don't even think he got pulled, to be honest, actually. I mean, Tyree Jackson did come in at the very, very end of the game, but still, Cardell Jones played most of the game and passed for 72 yards. Yeah, that's bad. But look at the running stats, too, for they DC. Also did it's nothing. also bad. Their, their offense has fallen off of a cliff. DC's offense didn't show up to this game. They didn't come to Tampa Bay. I'm and they, say. they didn't show up to Los Angeles either. Yeah. Their defense did the best that they could do with what they were given. I mean, it was also, you know... Well, okay. Here's something to think about. The defenders are 0-2 on the road and 2-0 at home. Mm-hmm. So we'll see next week if they end up playing a home game. They do. And how important that is for them mm-hmm. to maybe bounce back. But, yeah. you know, it's I still think they have to get a win now have if they, if they want to be taken seriously. Yeah. And their defense, I mean, it was against a Vipers team that's, like, trending. Too. They're trying to figure so, like, it out. They're still figuring I mean, it out. Raheem but. Moore is a potential Defensive Player of the Year candidate mm-hmm. in the XFL because yeah. he gets a pick, like, every single week. You're right. Um, he's playing really well. The defense is still fine, but like I said... The offense didn't, just didn't show up. I mean, you, there's only so much you can do as a defense when your quarterback throws for 72 yards. So And does nothing else. Like, literally, there's no stats to even give you guys. There's literally none. It's just non-existent. Yeah. <laughs> the entire offense. Yeah. That that does it for the defenders, right? Yeah, they're in panic mode. They need to figure it out now. Yeah. Otherwise, it's over for them. They will be the worst team in the XFL. You know whose panic mode button can be turned off? Tampa Bay. They finally got a win. Their first win. Behind third string quarterback Taylor Cornelius, dude. I mean, he's the dude right now. (laughs) He's the the guy going forward. He's going to start. He he was responsible for two touchdowns. Mm -hmm. And, you know, their running game has helped him out a lot. Well, I do think that this is, besides Dallas, I think this is the most prolific running, running game in the XFL. They have two running backs that are really good. And, um, yeah, they're getting it going. <laughs> they really are. Um, both of their running backs, we'll talk about them. Um, both of the running backs, they have two running backs on the roster. Both of them had over 100 yards rushing. Both Which of them. we haven't seen yet. No, that, that's, that's the first time we've seen it. Um, Debian Smith had 200, or sorry, 122 rushing yards. And then Jaquiz Patrick had 108 and a touchdown. So, I mean, combined, they had, they combined for 230 rushing yards. Two guys, two running backs. That's big and, time. And Cornelius was also using his legs yeah. and making some plays on the ground, too. He yeah, ran for like a 30, a 10-yard touchdown. It was, t- it was about 10, but he had 36 rushing yards total and a touchdown. Yeah, so it was a 10-yard yeah. rushing touchdown. So, I mean, but the Vipers definitely did whatever they wanted to do yeah. to the defenders. And, you know, I don't know. If I should, I mean, their defense played really good, but I don't know how much credit you can give them when the defenders' offense just seems dysfunctional at this point. Yeah, yeah. Um, get anything else? Sex. It's a perfect segue into my player of the week. I mean, yeah. Go ahead and talk about your player of the week. All right. So my for... offensive player of the week, I am going to give to Taylor Cornelius, the quarterback for Tampa Bay. 
Um, he, he was only responsible for two touchdowns. He threw for 211 yards, but he got that he got that Vipers team the first touch, their first win. Yeah. Um, and I think he got them trending in the right way. And sure, he benefited from his two running backs, which we'll talk about with your player of the week. Yeah, he benefited from the running game, and he played a great game. Um, I think he led that team. He showed confidence in leading that team. And I'm going to give him my player of the week. I mean, the Vipers can only go up from here if he keeps playing like that. Yep. So, like you said, my player of the week is Patrick. Jaquiz Patrick. Jaquiz Patrick yep. from the Vipers. So, he ran for 108 yards and he had a touchdown and averaged 5.1 yards per carry, which is the same as the other running back. Mm-hmm. And part of the reason that I gave it to him was finding out that last week his father passed away. And, um,. Now, I just felt that, like, to go out and play the way that he did with, like, you know, the emotional burden yeah, that heavy, he must be playing with, with, with a heavy heart, it, it was good to see. And, you know, I, I really liked the, like, the deeper thought of, like, a good performance, you know, like, what mm-hmm. all went into it. So that's why he's my player of the week. He also scored his first professional touchdown of his career. Yeah. yeah. So that was awesome. Con- congrats to Jaquise Patrick, and hopefully yep. we continue to see him. We will. Oh, I think we will. I think this... This Vipers running game is going to be deadly going forward. Absolutely. Um, because I do have what Smith's honorable mentions. Yep. Um, my honorable mention is the other running back, Debian Smith. Because, I mean, he still ran for 100 points. I mean, yeah, yards. they both ran for over 100 yards. Yeah. So. Um, and then I'm also going to give my honorable mentions to... Oh, I'll go one and you go the other because we both have the same guys. Yes, we do. All right, I'll go Joe Tayamu. Yeah, I mean, we same. talked about it. Over yeah. 300 all-purpose yards and no turnovers. I yeah. Mean, Turnovers are as good. No turnovers are as good as scores, basically. Right, in the XFL, and I, the only reason I'm not giving him play of the week, like I'm giving Taylor Cornelius, is because he got the Vipers their first win, and he led this team to win. St. Louis is, should win, should be winning. Yeah, I was about to say, Tamos just set that expectation, and then you yeah. know Cornelius scored more touchdowns than right. Tamos mm-hmm. as well. So. And then our other other I'll mention. The other guy is McBride, Trey McBride, McBride from the LA Wildcats. Yeah. Like you said, he stepped up. In absence of Nelson Spruce, yeah. and he's going to give teams problems. This is his second week in a row with over a hundred receiving yards, um, so and a touchdown as well. Yeah, he definitely deserves to be mentioned as well. So yeah, um, that moves into our defensive player of the week. Yep. Go ahead. So my defensive player of the week is Edmund Robinson. He's a player for the Roughnecks. He had four tackles, and then. We talked about the strip sack fumble return for a touchdown in the Roughnecks game. That was him. All him. So he literally did all of it. He completely just destroyed the lineman. Like the lineman just was stuck in like a circle basically. Mm -hmm. And he stripped Landry Jones and then looked up after sacking him and saw that the ball was there and he picked it up and he walked in the end zone. It's as easy as that and... The Roughnecks won the game because of that. And it was also a huge... That's like... Huge. You want to talk about momentum? momentum yeah. Like, the the Roughnecks were feeding off of their defensive energy, and he was right. absolutely critical to their win. Not to mention it was in Dallas, so that was big time. Yeah, so definitely quiet down the crowd yeah. a little bit. So yeah, he did it all. He did... He Sack, strip, touchdown. <laughs> game. He did it all. Game. game. He yep. called game. Yep. Um, that's good. So my... Player defensive player of the week also comes from Houston because, like we talked about, their defense played really well. I know who's on your honorable mention list, but safety Dietrich Nichols. Um, he had two interceptions, um, and I would say both of them. He baited Landry Jones. You know, he baited him, and Landry Jones thought he had it, and you could just see it. Landry Jones after he threw the ball, he was like, "Oh no, what did I do?" Because Dietrich Nichols caught it. 
Landry Jones was full of regret all game, <laughs> yeah. and Nichols was a huge part of that. You're right. He had two interceptions, um, and he played really well. Yeah, he's, you know, like we said, this Roughnecks defense was the reason that they won. Yep. My my honorable mention for Defensive Player of the Week was Owens. He's a defensive lineman for the Guardians, and he had two sacks, four quarterback hits, and he blocked a PAT. And if you look at the final score, 17-14, this game might have gone to overtime if he didn't block it. You're right. So, you know, he made huge plays, and he wasn't shy of the moment either. I mean, he was all over Johnson all day, and he was making plays in the backfield, and he was just, he was a game wrecker. And yeah. so you might be expecting to hear from him again. Yeah. Um, my, I wouldn't say he's much of an honorable mention, more of a guy I want to talk about. He did have 12 tackles at the safety position, so that's big time. Um, it was from the D.C. defenders, Matt Elam. He was the leading tackler for this week. The reason I want to talk about him is he is one of he used to play in the NFL, so he's an NFL guy that has been in the XFL. He was one of the big names to be in the XFL, and he played really well. But yeah, he still got waived this week. That's a great transition for our next segment about a preview for XFL next week's games. Yeah, and we'll talk about some potential moves that teams should make. Mm-hmm. Coming up next. Welcome back to the Cycle 365, episode 23. For those of you just joining us, why the heck are you just joining us now? Rewind and listen to the first part. Yeah, yeah. that is how a podcast works. <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> yeah, let's, uh, we're moving into our preview, uh, the XFL week five. So this will be, once this week is over, literally halfway through the XFL's first season. But anyways, moving forward. End of the last segment talking about Matt Elam being waived by DC. I don't know why this happened, but because um, like I said, Matt Elam is a, a former NFL guy. Um, he was one of the highlighted players in this league going into it, um, and he still played well. It seemed like he was the only one on the defensive or on the DC defense that wanted to play at the end of the game when they all knew it was over. And he ended with 12 tackles, and he's been playing well, and he's the leader of that that secondary for DC. And I don't know why they waived him. But moving forward, some team will pick him up, and I think he will play for another team. I think he'll be good. Where, where do you think are some good fits for Matt Elam? I would say Houston. Put him in Houston, because I don't... I mean, with Dietrich Nichols, there are other... Like, Dietrich Nichols is a strong safety. Matt Elam plays free. Add another really good piece to that Houston Roughnecks team to make a push to win the championship. I think that would definitely be a strong move for Houston. Another team I see making a play is the Battlehawks. Yeah, that's what I was going to say, too. My second team was St. Louis, because for sure. I say the, the championship contenders, and then you could even move them up in the box, too. He's yeah. very, he's very like utilitarian-like uh-huh. player. He can play anywhere on the field. Well, he yeah. plays sideline to sideline. I mean, so. he had 12 tackles in this last game from the safety position. So, I mean, if anything that shows, I think we both agree that Matt Adams should go to one of the contending teams, one of the top teams here, because I think that would be the move that, he, that they need to do, bringing another guy to make this this roster, their roster filled. Yeah, it's rounded mm-hmm. off. Yep. But so. anyways, that's it about Matt Elam. We'll see where he lands next week. I do think he'll be playing this weekend on a team, and if not this weekend, next week for sure on a team. Yep. But anyways, let's move into our uh, week five preview. First game of the week is on Saturday on ABC at 2 o'clock Eastern time, so 12 o'clock Mountain Standard Time. 
And it is the Seattle Dragons at the Houston Roughnecks. Man, if you're the Dragons, this is the last team that you want to face right now. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to just say this off the top. If, if Seattle's offense doesn't figure it out, this game could be 30-0. to zero. It, it could get out of hand fast. Yes. Kind of like what we saw with the St. Louis game. Yeah. Um, Dragons, so. But here's the thing is Houston is still in a different league than St. Louis. So, like, even if Houston has a fast start and Seattle doesn't, it's still going to be in the it's gonna be in the 30s instead of Well, I was about to say, the Roughnecks don't have a break either. Yeah. They're, they're gas, 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 gas. Yeah, they will not stop. They they may even score 40 points if, if Seattle can't figure it out. Yeah. And, you know, Seattle has a great run-stopping defense. But this is not a running team. But the Roughnecks don't ever run the ball because they don't right. need to. You're right. And I don't I don't really know if the Dragons have anyone athletic enough to spy on PJ Walker either. And then to stop cuz like that's the only so what we didn't I guess one thing we didn't touch on in the previous segment was that Dallas did shut down Cam Phillips. The star receiver for the Roughnecks. Yep. But I don't think I don't think Seattle has that guy to lock down Cam Phillips. No, Seattle's defense is I mean, we said that they're good, but it's mainly their front seven. Yeah. They, they can stop teams from running the ball, but their secondary isn't the Renegade's secondary. Yeah. It's not even the Guardian's secondary, I don't think. Yeah. So. Also, we don't, I don't know if they're going to do a quarterback. I think I think they should start B.J. Daniels, give him a chance, but I still don't know if that'll be the answer. I mean, okay, if you're Seattle, what do you have to do to win this game? Like, I think, is yeah. it possible? Is it possible for Seattle to win this game? I think the only way it's possible is if two non-offensive touchdowns, whether that's special teams or defense, they need at least two. That's true. I think that's the way they win it. And then they have to, I say they have to keep the Roughnecks under off. 30 points. Or just off the field. They need to keep P.J. Walker off the field. They need to get a run game going. That's what they need to do. Yep. And I'm concerned <laughs> about that. And Me the too. Roughnecks defense just continues to get better every week, yeah. I think. Mm-hmm. So, and pfft. If the Dragons have to try and pass their way back into this game, they're Not, toast. Yeah, it's over. Um, which I'm assuming they're going to have to do. So let's, let's I'm choosing the Roughnecks. I'm also choosing the Roughnecks. I'm they're favored say, by 12. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say that they should be favored by 20. I think they can win by 20. Yeah, they definitely can. Um, I have no faith in the Seattle team. Especially it's in Houston. It's in Houston, yeah. yeah so. Houston also has been on the road for the last two weeks, so they'll be happy to be home. Back with their fans, and they'll try and give them a reason <laughs> to celebrate. Yeah, they will. So that's, 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 that's that. I think that does it for that game. Yeah. There's not much to talk about. But these these next few games, there's definitely something to talk about. Yeah. Up next, we have Guardians at the Renegades. Two teams going in different directions right now. Yep. New York finally finally got a win, and they're looking up. Whereas Dallas just lost their quarterback. <laughs> New York <laughs> found their quarterback. Dallas lost, lost their quarterback. quarterback. Yeah. So it's really a tale of two cities right now. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So, at... On Fox at 5 p.m. Eastern Time, Saturday night, that would be 3 p.m. Mountain Standard Time. All my, all my times are in mountains, so you have to tell Mine the East in, Coast what's happening. Yeah, gotta tell East Coast, just in case we have some listeners from the East Coast. Um, but anyways, um, it is in Dallas. It is the New York Guardians at the Dallas Renegades. And... <laughs> I mean, the Renegades, despite the... We, they need to make a move for a quarterback. Yep, I think this is the time to talk about it. Okay, so with, there's, a, there's a couple of... There's quarterbacks in the league that the Renegades could go after mm-hmm. right now. I think at least... I think me and Cody talked about it. I think Simon 
even though he's not here, he's on the same pages. I think there's one move that we all want to see happen, and I think needs to happen for this Dallas team, because I think it would be big for them. And that is going out and trading for Quentin Flowers. Absolutely. The, I mean, we, we've we talked about it. Quentin Flowers wants out of Tampa Bay. He does now. He's frustrated with his playing time. Yep. And that he wasn't... He was like listed as like the second string quarterback and got skipped and over. For got skipped over for Taylor Cornelius, who is going to start there now because he it's his team. Yeah, and if you listen to the, even the last what four weeks now, we have said repeatedly, Quentin Flowers used to be a starter in the XFL. He is good enough to be a starter. What a better situation to go into because he'll have a cast of players around him. Absolutely, I mean, and they can run read option too with yeah. Dunbar and Artis Payne and. You know, they have that tight end and Parm. Parm. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he has weapons. And honestly, I feel like if the Renegades get Flowers, he might steal the job from Landry Jones. He, I think he If he turns the ball over less, which is... The bar has been set so low because Landry Jones leads the league in turnovers. In three games. It's, yeah, he didn't even play the first game. So, <laughs> like... Yeah, and he didn't even play the rest of the last game mm-hmm. either. Like, an entire quarter, basically. So, like, he's done more damage to his own team than he's helped him out, really. Yeah. And if Flowers literally just doesn't turn the ball over, he's an upgrade over... Yeah. Definitely Landry Jones, mm-hmm. and then over... What's what's the backup's name? Nelson Phillips. Nelson Phillips, yeah. Yeah, he's definitely no, upgrade. No offense to Nelson Phillips, but if you're the Renegades and you want to go for the playoffs... Yeah. You're not going to go with Nelson Phillips. Because here's the thing... As much as good as Dallas is, I still think without a quarterback, with Philip Nelson at quarterback for Dallas, I think LA, if not as as good as them, is better than them. LA, granted, then they're only one game behind them. So I mean, they're one and three. Dallas two and two. Um, I I think if they do not go out and get a quarterback, in particular, I hope Quentin Flowers because I think he's the perfect fit there. He's on the trading block, frustrated, would come in start and be really good. They don't get a quarterback, and Phil Nelson is their starter moving forward. I think LA will overtake that second seed, go into the playoffs. I honestly think that the Renegades could could fall out of the playoffs pretty easily, yep. because they just don't have an answer. Um, as far as other quarterbacks, you talked about a potential move for Team Nine's quarterback, Joe Callahan. He um, has been part of, I would say, part of the Green Bay organization for I think the last four years now, till this year, but. Um, yeah, so Team Nine's quarterback is Joe Callahan, who has been in the NFL, has known that he can make a move. They can make a move for him. Just anybody but Cam Phillips. <laughs> Nelson. Sorry, Phillips. Nelson Phillips. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. and an- another potential move. What the only reason that we bring this up last is because it just doesn't seem likely for the Roughnecks to give the Come Renegades, yeah. you know, a tool that could be used against them. But Connor Cook could definitely be a starter for the Renegades and even take the job from Landry Jones. Yeah, obviously. but I don't think I don't. That's yeah. Yeah, I, think I mean, what, right what are saying last? I mean, what are the Renegades going to give away? They don't need him anyway. They don't need anything. So like, yeah. Why would you give him a, a piece that would hurt you? Yeah. Yeah. Keep Connor so, Cook, especially because the way PJ Walker is playing. And you said lowering his shoulder probably shouldn't do that. To be honest, it was fun to see, but you're you're the franchise quarterback there. You should not be doing that. If he's going to play like that, you need a backup in Connor Cook. Or in, uh, Connor Cook. Yeah, and I feel like Houston's in a very good spot right now. So, yeah, the Renegades don't have a quarterback right now, but the rest of their team is still good enough to win. Because, yeah. like, we talked about it with this Guardians team. 
their lack of discipline and the amount of penalties that they have on both sides of the ball kind of keeps teams in the game. Yeah. I mean, like, the Wildcats were banged up last week, and the game was in New York, and... They squeaked by. They squeaked by. So, like, I mean, this Guardians team, they could... This game could go either way, honestly. Currently, Dallas is favored by 7.5, but I don't see that with Nelson Phillips at quarterback. Plus, the Guardians... We'll see how the Guardians play. They got ran all over by St. Louis a few weeks ago. So I think if the Renegades just hand the ball off, they could definitely come out of this game with a win. Yeah. Um, also, Luis Perez, I think that's the only reason I would give maybe New York a chance. Luis Perez will play well. I think he'll play well going forward. And I think he's the only reason that he keep, they will keep this keep him in this game. But I'm going to pick Dallas to win. Even yeah. with Nelson Phillips as the quarterback. Even, even though I, I like... The Guardians, I'm going to choose Dallas. They're at home, too. Yeah. And I don't see them losing in front of their home crowd twice in a Two row. Two games in a row, yeah. So, and I feel like, you know, Dunbar and Artis Payne are pretty similar of, like, a really potent rushing attack to, like, the Matt Jones combo yeah. that exploited the Guardians. But I'm not writing the Guardians off. I say that the Renegades probably win by... They win by less than touchdown. I'd say, like, oh, yeah. four or three points, honestly. No. And I think if there is any upset this week... Like I said last week, I gave Dallas a chance to upset Houston. Didn't happen, but I think I'm going to give that that coin to this game this year, this week. I think the Guardians would be the Guardians would be the upset the most, that would happen. They're the most possible upset as far as like big spread goes. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. um, but again, I think all the questions are are just put to rest if Dallas goes out and gets Quentin Flowers. Yeah, I I really don't see. If the Flowers, Guardians winning this game if Quentin Flowers is on Dallas's roster. Well, I'm just saying moving forward too, not even just this week. I'm saying if Quentin Flowers is the starter at Dallas, I think Dallas gets the second seed in the West easy. Yeah. So agreed. And I feel like you know they actually they they would probably beat Houston if they, they had would. a quarterback that didn't turn the ball over. No, they would have. They would have won that game, hundred percent. They would have won if Landry Jones didn't have four turnovers. Yeah. Including one for a touchdown. And Quentin so. Flowers wouldn't do that. It's really not that hard to do, I don't think. Yeah. But right. anyway, let's move on to the Sunday games. First game on Sunday at one o'clock Mountain Time, three p.m. Eastern Time. Yep. On FS1 is the Battle Hawks in DC. <sighs> if I'm if I'm a DC <laughs> fan, I'm really worried about this game. Well, yeah. This game, this game, halfway through the season, could be the nail in the coffin. It really could because DC has won one game, correct? No, two, two. games. They okay. Here's the here's what I'm intrigued to see this weekend. DC is two and zero at home and zero and two on the road. It's quite possible that they are just completely inept whenever they leave their home stadium, and that you know they're just they're on their E's and Q's at home. Okay. I mean they they beat the Guardians twenty seven to zip at home, and they also won pretty easily against the Dragons during that opening week. And I know that, like, we're not trying to include the opening week, but the the defenders at home looked the same in both games. Yeah. And on the road, they looked the same in both games. I'm going to be honest, I think it just comes down to the to Cardale Jones's play. I mean, which Cardale Jones are you going to get? Yeah, if, if you get the away Cardale Jones, you're going to get smacked. If you get the home Cardale Jones, you have You chance. have a chance. Yeah. I, you can, even if the defenders play well, I still don't. I yeah, still Saint, don't just hand them this win. No, I I have to pick St. Louis. They're on a roll right now, 
and they're going to continue rolling. Jordan Taylor has a big day. I think Matt Jones has a big day. Christian Michaels has a big day. Especially because DC's defense has been picked apart. Like I said, Matt Elam was their and, leader. Yeah, and now Matt Elam's gone. So, like, I mean, look for Raheem Moore to probably make one interception, but look for Tayama to probably throw three touchdowns. Yeah, I would say so. Like, this DC team is, like we said, in panic mode, hurting. And if they don't win this game, it's over for them. Yeah. And I'm and I say that it's over for them because the Battle Hawks are gonna win this Sunday. Yep. They're only favored by four. It could be a lot worse. I feel like they could probably win by over a touchdown. Oh yeah, easily. I don't Maybe think even win double by two. digits. Yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, I think St. Louis win this game. I'm not giving. I I would like to be surprised by the defenders. I would like to see Cardell Jones come out and ball out. And you know, if the defenders win, it's gonna be a close game. Yeah. I feel like. I would love to be proved wrong, but I just don't see it. After what I've seen these past two weeks, I do not see it. No, it like I said, it just falls solely on the shoulders of Cardell Jones. He needs to turn it around if they want to do anything. I really thought he was going to be, me and Simon both thought he was going to be the face of this league. After the first two weeks, we thought, yeah, he probably is. Then what happened? <laughs> you guys were thinking he could go back to the NFL, and he said, psych. Yeah, he really did. Um, what at what point? How far behind do the defenders have to fall before they start Jackson? That's tough because I don't even think Tyree Jackson's ready to play in the XFL yet. To be honest, I mean he's still super raw. Yeah, even for the XFL, I don't. I don't know. I they have that's the only two quarterbacks. <laughs> that's their only two quarterbacks on the roster. And if Cardell Jones, Cardell Jones is the guy there. He's their best player on offense and defense. And if he doesn't play well, they're not going to win anything. For, for the listeners who can't see Jesse right now, he's visibly stressed out at the idea of Tyree Jackson coming into the game yeah. and Cardell Jones not performing. I, I don't see this team going anywhere, to be honest, if Cardell yeah. Jones doesn't play well. Yeah, and we'll see what happens. And, and, you know, maybe part of that's also on Pep Hamilton, too. Yeah. And, you know, if he's been coaching any different. So we'll see what he does. I mean, Pep Hamilton, he coached Andrew Luck at Stanford, and he followed Andrew Luck into the NFL for the Colts when he was OC. And so we know that Pep Hamilton's like, he's had to overcome some things and stuff, mm -hmm. and he's worked with elite quarterbacks. So what's happening? To, what, I think, what, what's happening to Cardell Jones? I think the biggest thing, if you're a DC fan, what has to happen is you gotta get a running game going, first of all. They don't have very good running backs in the first place. I mean, Donald Pumphrey is okay. He's just really, really undersized. Do you think that the defenders should make a move for a running back? I think they I could. Mean, okay, here's the thing. Here's the thing to consider with the XFL too. You don't have to trade with other teams. There's like free agent running backs that they could probably get that were for oh, NFL guys. I looked. I looked at the the like draft that they had. There were I think I think three thousand players in the draft, and I would say there was a good. 60 running backs. I mean, Trent Richardson was in there, right? Yeah, Trent Richardson is still in there. And I bet, I bet you could talk Eddie Lacy into working out. Yeah. And, you know, you got you, if you get a guy that's Eddie Lacy's size, you know, I might, I might take Trent Richardson over Eddie Lacy. I would take Richardson because of his success in the AAF. Yeah. But I'm just saying, like, you, you could go after these guys that don't have a job right now. Yeah. And see if they want to play. Yeah. You know. I think the reason I the reason I bring this up and they need a running game is because Cardell, Cardell Jones has a cannon of an arm, a cannon of an arm. He probably has the best arm in the NFL or in the XFL, right? Throwing the ball wise. 
I mean, he overthrows his receivers all the time these past two weeks. So. I know, but <laughs> so he has a can of an arm. But in order to get that that going, you need a running game so that people will creep up. Otherwise, and, the def- the the cornerbacks are just playing ten yards off. Yeah, yeah. So I think that's what has that's what has to happen in DC if they want to go anywhere. Get a running game, get a running game going, and Cardell Jones has to do it because Tyree or yeah, Tyree Jackson can't come in. I say I say go after Trent Richardson. Yeah, if they can, go get Trent Richardson. And he's from he's played in a Pep Hamilton system before because he was a running back for the Colts for a very short second. So. He was a very short. There's second. your fix, DC. Go get Trent Richardson because we're talking about moves to be made to compete. So, anyways, moving on to the last game, I think. This is, this is the game, of the, game week. of the week. Yeah, it's two one and three teams. It looks it looks really bad on paper, but it's gonna be a good game. <laughs> it really is. I think this is the game of the week. Yeah. So the Sunday night game on ESPN, nine p.m. Eastern time, seven prime time, here in the mountain mountain standard time on Sunday night, dude. I'm gonna be watching it for sure. Cause I got nothing else going on Sunday night. Yeah. But anyways, this is the Tampa Bay Vipers at the L.A. Wildcats. This is. A huge game for both teams. It really is. I feel like it's an even bigger game for the Wildcats because they're in the West. Mm-hmm. The the Vipers could lose this game and still Compete. still get the second seed in the East. Yeah, the, but LA needs to win. LA, this is Stay. do or die for LA, yeah. and it's not even because like they're not in panic mode. The West is just that good. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously, like the Landry Jones injury gives them a little bit of buffer room, but they don't want to risk that. Yeah. I don't think. And I feel like a lot of this game comes down to, is Nelson Spruce healthy and is Carter healthy? Yeah. Because we saw the Wildcats running game kind of disappear mm-hmm. against the Guardians. And, you know, I this Vipers defense isn't, like, crazy good. They just played against a really bad defenders team. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, the Vipers, they've been getting better every single week. Mm-hmm. They've been getting better. Yeah. And so if that trend continues, they might turn into a juggernaut in the XFL. Yeah, I think, I think, why if you were gonna give the edge to Tampa Bay, it's because they're gonna run all over LA. They really are. LA's front seven is not prepared for two running backs that combined for 230 rushing yards last week. This last week, and they're not. And they have to key on Cornelius too. Yeah, well, because they still have um, Danny Williams, their their one wide receiver, um, and he's he's really good too. So I mean, like, I mean, they also have that. Uh... Oh, what's his name? It starts with the L. The wide receiver for Tampa Bay. Tolliver. The, the L's were there. <laughs> Tolliver, he he's he gets open mm-hmm. a lot, and he's kind of become like a security blanket of sorts yeah. for either quarterback that's been in. Yeah. And you know, even a couple weeks ago, I feel like he was a fringe honorable mention guy because he just he gets lots of receptions, and you know, he he just finds the open spaces. Mm-hmm. And if Tampa Bay has long drives. Where they pound the rock and they, and they find Tolliver to do that, and they find Tolliver in short routes, and they just it, they can have the ball for twenty to thirty minutes of this game, yeah. maybe even thirty-five minutes of this game. Mm-hmm. And I just if the Wildcats don't have Spruce to like for that offensive firepower for those quick scores, I, they won't be able to compete. Yeah, so I think the reason it's the game of the week is because both these teams, one, they both need to win. Two, I think both of them are trending in the upward position, upward direction. So yeah. That's why it's a good game. Um, yeah, I'm still gonna probably say if Carter and Nelson are playing, I'm gonna say LA wins. It is in LA. It is in LA. So I'm gonna give it to them because I'm an LA fan. 
That's fair. <laughs> I'm going to, uh, I gotta hop on the bandwagon of the Vipers. Not literally, I'm not like, I'm not gonna root for a specific team this game. But I'm gonna choose the Vipers to win this game because I feel like they finally found their formula. Mm -hmm. And if they don't stray away from it, I feel like they can win any football game by running the ball and then not asking Cornelius to carry the team on his arm. And if Johnson has to end up carrying the team on his arm again, they're gonna lose. Yep. Because the Vipers are only gonna get more confident. Mm -hmm. So I feel like if Vipers come out and they score early and they force a turnover early, then I don't see the Wildcats coming back. Yep. But I think it's gonna be a really good game. As I'm excited for a good game. I, yeah. I was I was happy with the Texas throwdown. We said it was gonna be game of the week, and it lived up to it. It was really entertaining. Uh -huh. I mean, there's a lot that happened. You're right. I don't know if what was more entertaining, watching the game or watching Simon react to all the turnovers <laughs> oh, that the Renegades that had. <laughs> Literally, every time Landry Jones, every Jones dropped back, I go, uh-oh. <laughs> yeah. I literally said, and on the very first time he dropped back, I said, uh-oh. And guess what he did? He threw a pick. He threw a pick. I mean, and like, you know, so, uh, we talk about it every week. Landry Jones just stopped turning the ball. I was like, look, I was an OU fan when he was there. And I can tell you exactly what you're going to get with Landry Jones. He's going to have one pass that goes really deep for like 60 yards one time. You're going to be like, oh my God, look at how great that was. That was a great decision. He moved his eyes. And then the next play, he's going to throw like an interception to a cornerback in the flats. Mm -hmm. And it's just, it doesn't make any sense. So, anyways, but game of the week. Game of the week. For every time we have said there's been a game of the week, like it has been lived up to that game of the week. So this one should be the game of the week and it should be really good. Tune in. Yeah. Prime time. That does it for XFL. our XFL preview. Coming up next, we're going to talk NFC North. All right, welcome back to The Cycle 365 again. Um, if you've been with us for the last few weeks, we have been taking a wonderful journey through each NFL division and conference and talking about kind of giving a recap of what happened last year and moving forward what they need to do to make their teams better through the offseason. So this week we are doing the NFC North, is that correct? That is correct. I was Jesse, not, I wasn't was, here. I was not here for the AFC North. He was heartbroken. But that's okay. Because I'm sure it was just Simon talking about the Steelers, so I didn't miss much. It really was. I mean, at the end of the day, we talked about the Ravens, too. But I'll just give you a quick rundown what I think. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Jesse, tell us what you think about the AFC North. Catch us up. Lamar Jackson's going to be great again next year. Yep. And I think that they're going to win the division. Joe Burrow will be in Cincinnati. There's a big question mark on that right I know. now. We I talked the question mark. We said if the Bengals don't get Joe Burrow, they're screwed. Yeah, no. So I think I do think that Joe Burrow will go to the Bengals. I think the Bengals will draft Joe Burrow. I think I've heard that rumors that they're going to franchise tag A.J. Green. They already did. Okay, they franchise tag A.J. Green, which is big time because now they have three three top-tier receivers in Tyler Boyd, A.J. Green, and he was on your fantasy team. He before. really was on my fantasy team, but I didn't go to the playoffs, so I <laughs> forgot his name. Okay. Anyway, they have three good receivers, and if Joe Mixon can figure out, that's a top-tier running back as well in the NFL. With Joe Burrow, I think that they can they can be decent. I think they can be decent this year. Um, Pittsburgh needs to find a quarterback. I mean, I don't know what else to say. 
their we, quarterbacks on the roster now. I don't think Ben Roethlisberger plays. If he play, he's going to play next year. I don't think he plays good. We said he missed at least four games, yeah. probably. Okay, so I'm gonna agree with that. I don't think Ben Roethlisberger is good. I think he should retire. I really do. Their other quarterbacks: Hodges, Paxton Lynch, and I don't even know the Rudolph. Mason Rudolph. Mason Rudolph they're, should be also done. They're going to give him a second chance, basically, but okay. I don't see that panning out. Yeah. So they have no quarterback on their roster, really. They need to find a quarterback. And if they don't, I think they're going to really struggle next year. And Cleveland? The qu- <laughs> the question that Simon and I basically have for you is, do they bounce back with this new head coach? Who's the former offensive coordinator for the Vikings? I have heard some rumors recently that they are thinking about trading Odell Beckham, which would be interesting. Simon and I said don't do it. I don't think they should. I think they should keep him because I think I think I feel like bounce back. We said Freddie Kitchens was the problem. Yeah, oh yeah, 100%. I think Baker Mayfield will be great. Uh, I, I knew that we all kind of saw a light tie on that. Yeah. So I guess Wilt, that's... What's the ceiling for the Browns? I still don't think it's that high going... I mean, they still have to figure out this new system. I think they win. I think they go 500. I think they win more than six games. But I still don't think they make the playoffs. All right. I'm going to give you my final standings real fast, and then we can move on to the NHL. Baltimore obviously wins it. They may even get the number one seed. Okay. Again, yeah. I'm gonna go out on a limb with Joe Burrow and say that Cleveland get or not Cleveland, uh, Cincinnati gets second in the division. With Interesting. Cle- with Cleveland right behind him. And if Pittsburgh can find a quarterback, they may win five games. We we still have Cincinnati <laughs> at the bottom because we said even if they get Joe Burrow, their defense is so terrible. I mean. Joe Brosh, I mean, granted, and, it is and college. And we don't, we don't trust their head coach quite okay. yet, Zach Taylor. Okay, well, Joe Burrow, granted, it was college, and LSU had a decent defense, but it didn't matter because Joe Burrow threw 60 touchdowns in a season. Isaiah Orgeron's better, better head coach than Zach Taylor. No offense to Taylor, but go Tigers! Okay, great. Here's, anyways, that's why I said I'm going out on a limb. I think but this would be my, my standings for the NFC, AFC North. Baltimore... Cincinnati wild card makes the playoffs. Cleveland right behind them, maybe by a game, and then Pittsburgh. Right. I think Pittsburgh will be at the bottom. All right. Thank you for your. Sorry, Simon. Your flash focus, flash forward. AFC yeah. um, North. Now we're on to the NFC North, starting with the Green Bay Packers. They were the second seed, but nobody expected this team to go to the Super Bowl. I did. Well, listen to my preview. In, in the preview, you did. I had them. But once they were in the playoffs, I didn't think so. We didn't. We yeah. didn't see it, and they got. They this got close. embarrassed this in close. front of. They this got close to the Super Bowl. Obviously, they got embarrassed by by San Francisco. But what's what's the problem with Seattle? Why can't they get to or not Green Seattle? Bay. What's the problem with Green Bay? Why can't they get to the Super Bowl? Fortunately, I think it's Aaron Rodgers. I think. He has, I wouldn't say he's regressed, but I think he's the problem. I mean, he hasn't been a part of the solution, and I feel like we've even seen it lately where he kind of, like, he only throws it to Devontae Adams. Yeah. And he like, in the receivers. In, before, he used to make receivers, he yeah. used to make them names. Jordy Nelson. Uh, yeah, Jordy Nelson wasn't anything he, before Aaron Rodgers. Be Randall Cobb. Yeah. Great, great example. Both of those. Jordy Nelson was great in Green Bay with Aaron Rodgers, went to. Oakland didn't do anything. Didn't do anything. Who was cut by the team? Did nothing. Randall Cobb was great in Green Bay. Went to Dallas. Did okay. But fifth fifth string receiver yeah, basically. He was. He did okay. I mean, he caught a few touchdowns, but 
nothing like he was in Green Bay. But yeah, when, and like, he has, I'm gonna be honest, I think on this Green Bay roster, now granted, free agency has happened, but last year I think they had even more talented receivers in Scantling and um, one other guy. But I think they're, they were more talented than Jordy Nelson and Randall Cobb. But I don't think, cause they, because I think because they were young, Aaron Rodgers didn't trust them. And I mean, the, this team was the most balanced attack that we've seen from Green Bay. Aaron Jones was a Pro Bowl snub. Uh-huh. Absolutely. He had like almost 1,400 all-purpose yards, and he had like almost 20 touchdowns. Mm-hmm. He had like 16, I think. And they also have another good running back right behind him, Jamal Williams. They're both NFL starters. Yeah. So, That's you know, the they can run the ball, and their offensive line obviously benefits from it. Yeah. You know, and their defense was better than what I've seen it in years. Darius, their defense was the best I've seen it since they won the Super Bowl. I'm going to be honest, Darius Smith was probably, well, I think he was the defensive Pro Bowl MVP. If they have that, I would have given it to him. But, anyways, he played really well, and I think... He was one of the best free agent signings he was. of last year. I'm going to say he might have been the NFC defensive player of like the playoffs. Like They don't do that, too, but like he's the one guy I want in the playoffs. Yeah, he, he played great, and you know they had a great pass rush, and you know we saw Alexander start step into his role as cornerback one, and mm-hmm. I mean... The, this Green Bay team is ready to win, but is Aaron Rodgers ready to win? I don't know. But he's not going anywhere, obviously. He's going to be no. the quarterback there next year. No, I mean, they're still paying him a lot of mm-hmm. money to be there. And I, he's a part of their success yeah. in the regular season. But yeah. I feel like it's we've run out of excuses for Aaron Rodgers to lose in the playoffs. You're right. He needs to win. It's just, that's it. That's he it. He needs to win. <laughs> so, Move forward. what do you do in the offseason? You get uh, another wide receiver in the draft. I mean, they're kind of at that. They're in that position where Laviska and those later round mm-hmm. wide receivers could be there. I think the first thing you need to worry about is I think two of their starting, two or three of their starting offensive linemen are free agents. They need to retain at least two of them because the offensive line is the one that, like, Bakhtiari. I think Bakhtiari, their left tackle, is a free agent. But he is a must resign. I mean, he's probably he should be the highest paid tackle in the league. Yeah. So that, and if they can't sign him, somebody else will. That is what makes Green Bay tick, is their offensive line. So they need to retain as many offensive linemen as they can. I think that's the number one thing going into the offseason, is try to retain their offensive line. Moving outside of that, I think they could go get a receiver for sure. I'm looking more at the tight end position, because back Jimmy when... Graham is yeah, old. Jimmy Graham is not good. And if you go back to even when Aaron Rodgers was playing better, granted it was, what, Richardson? Like... Richard Richardson or whatever, someone I don't even remember. I think it was Rodgers. Richard Rodgers. Richard Rodgers, that's yeah. right. Um, he's a nobody, but yet he played really well with Aaron Rodgers because Aaron Rodgers needs that safety blanket tight end. Yeah. So I, I think you could go get a tight end. Do you think that they could get, they could get Moss? I think there's better... I feel like he would be a great fit. He would be. I think there's better tight ends. But they should maybe get a run-blocking tight end. Yeah, I think there's better tight ends like Cole Clement or whatever from Notre Dame. I think he fits the bill a little bit better. He also performed pretty well at the Combine. We can talk about Combine at a different time, but um, he he fits that. But I think they need to address the tight end position. Absolutely. First. I feel like like you could... You talk about the offensive line. They could address both sides of the line, though. Because yeah. both of the Smiths are linebackers, mm-hmm. right? And 
you know, they don't have Mike Daniels anymore, yeah. Making, you know, making the plays that you would and you think about the successful Green Bay teams, you think of Mike Daniels and you think of BJ Raji. Yeah. Who clogged up the middle yeah. for that Super Bowl winning Green Bay team. And they haven't had a pre- they haven't had a prime BJ Raji really. Yeah. Or like or like a Mac Mike Daniels, you know, for a few years. Mm-hmm. And they I think they need a defensive lineman and they could find one in this draft. Yeah. Especially with as much as like as top heavy as the draft will be with offensive players, I feel like. They could steal a pretty good defensive lineman who'd be a day one starter. Yeah. I mean, Derek Brown will be is obviously the number one defensive tackle coming out of Auburn. But he will be gone in the top ten. He'll be gone. Yes. But after that, like you said, there's a big, I wouldn't say a big drop-off in talent, but just exposure. There's a big drop-off. So they could get a guy that probably should go in the first round, maybe in the second round, or even the third round. Yeah. And I think I think that's where you start. I don't think that they have to make any moves in free agency. No, I think they're they, fine. I mean, Besides retaining their I mean, offensive line. That's been Green Bay's strategy for years, though. Retain their homegrown talent, yeah. and then just try and draft who Smart. they can't keep. Yeah. So they could draft both sides of the line mm. and, and be okay, and maybe even get a tight end, too. They could yeah. honestly address all their needs through the draft, honestly. Well, yeah, because there's, there's a lot of good tight ends that won't go to later in the draft as well. Most yeah. like This is not a very deep tight end class. I mean, that's not the emphasis of this draft. This draft is basically a wide receiver show. Yeah, it really so. is. <laughs> and some pretty good quarterbacks, some pretty good offensive linemen. Yeah. But... It's a better offensive lineman class than we've seen in a while. Mm-hmm. Moving so. forward, I still think Green Bay wins wins the division. Let me get through the rest of the division I'll get back to you okay. on that. Sounds good. Alright, Minnesota next. They also went to the playoffs. They went 10-6. and six. They won a playoff game too. They did. They beat the favored... New Orleans Saints. They beat them fair and square. Yeah. I mean, a lot of people will say offensive PI on the Kyle Rudolph play, not. but I mean, it's just it's just football. Sometimes they call it, sometimes they don't. It's yeah. not like last year where it was an obvious pass. Where it was like the most ridiculous thing I've ever seen. Yeah. But and uh, that's a whole other topic. But anyways, the Vikings they won a game and then they did better than Green Bay did against the Niners. You're right. You're right. I have a lot to say about Minnesota. I watched them most of the year because they're my second team now. We know why. But I watched a lot of them, so I have some pretty good things about what they can do. But you can go ahead and go first. I mean, I, st- I still feel like the biggest question mark for the Vikings is can Kirk Cousins bring them to a Super Bowl? And the answer is still, I don't know. Kirk Cousins, he finally got the monkey off his back for winning a single playoff game. But Kirk Cousins wasn't really the reason why the Vikings won that game. And then I feel like another thing for the Vikings that's kind of concerning to me is, you know, they have the talent to be a top five defense all year. And Mike Zimmer is a defensive-minded head coach. And I feel like their defense is underperforming, if I'm being completely honest with you. I feel like in that playoff game against... We, we saw Jimmy Garoppolo's not good. They should get three interceptions against Jimmy Garoppolo. And I feel like Xavier Rhodes is kind of... Washed up. Yeah, Xavier Rhodes isn't the cornerback one that he was, I'd say even like two or three years ago. So I think they definitely have to fill some holes. And you can see like all their draft classes from like, you know, six or seven years ago are making that turn. And so they have a lot of holes to fill, I feel like. But I still think that their core is strong. They still have Stephon Diggs, which is a question mark (laughs) right now. But Adam Thielen, as long as he stays healthy, 
Kyle Rudolph is good. Irv Smith looked good mm-hmm. in the playing time that he had, and he's going to be a type. Like when Rudolph leaves, there's no reason he's to be He's a type in the future, yeah. He's a type So the Dalvin Cook was, you know, a potential offensive player of the year candidate, and I feel like you know that this Vikings team is still going to be good. I still think they make the playoffs, but as far as contending for a Super Bowl, I'm not sure yet. What do you think, Jesse? All right, I am going to lay out everything I think about the Vikings. First of all, to address Cody's point about, um, yeah, yeah, what's his name? Kirk Cousins. Kirk Cousins. Um, Kirk Cousins, I, I believe in him. I think he's going to be okay. I don't think that's the question mark moving forward. So I would disagree with you in that fact, Cody, that Kirk Cousins is going to be okay. I think he is the quarterback that needs to stay in Minnesota, and I think he's going to He's going to prove the haters wrong. I really do think that. I believe that. Watching him play. I put this disappointing season, because I, I think it's disappointing. The talent that the, the Vikings had is unmatchable, I would say. They have so many good players that it's insane that they should not be at least competing in the NFC Championship in the last two years, I think. A lot of their backups could be starters. Yes. Elsewhere. I put it solely on Mike Zimmer. I think he's a terrible head coach. I think he's a good defensive coordinator. Absolutely awful defense or off head coach. Offensive, he is not good at offense at all. And he will he will say that he had no say in the offense, but we all know that, that is not true. He literally had a rope tied around the offensive coordinator's neck. And if he said if you didn't run the ball, I'll I'll cut you. You're gone basically. Which I don't think. Obviously, you have Dalvin Cook, and he's very good. But you also have two of the best receivers in the NFL, and Stephon Diggs and Adam Thielen. And Kirk Cousins can throw the ball. We saw that in the games. There was a few games where he threw for 400 passing yards and five touchdowns. He can throw the ball. They they bought him in to throw the ball. So why aren't you throwing the ball? That's basically what it went down to. They played prevent offense, and that's why they lost so many football games. They would have the lead, and then they would just start running the ball every time, and then each team would just slowly but surely climb back into it and win the game. That's what it comes down to. Now, they do have a lot of free agents. Especially on the defensive inside, I believe, I believe they still have most of their defensive line, but one end they need to re-resign one, and I forgot his name. But they need. Are you thinking of Everson Griffin or Daniel Hunter? So they still have Daniel Hunter, but Everson Griffin is a free agent. I think they need to re-sign him. I think that should be the priority on the defensive side because you can draft. Another priority is drafting a corner. They need to draft a corner. I still think Harrison Smith is still going to be great at safety. I still think Andrew Sadejo is fine for the other safety, but you need to draft a quarter or a cornerback. Have to. Linebackers are still fine. Anthony Barr, Lance Kendricks are still off the charts good. Yeah, and they have they have Barr locked up for a while. Yeah. So. Um, I think they so yeah, and I think running back wise, obviously they have Dalvin Cook. They're fine. Receivers fine. Offensive line they need to address offensive line and cornerbacks. I think you can draft a cornerback. A guy like C.J. Henderson from Florida, who absolutely balled out at the Combine, will be there when they're picking. He would be a great pick for them. You you think he'll be there? Oh, yeah, I think he'll be there. There's only one other corner that I think will go before him, and other than that, I don't think it's going to be good, and that's Jeff Okuda. <coughs> Sorry, Okuda. I don't know how to state. I think they're the two best, but I still think he'll be there, looking at some of the mock drafts. They also need to address the offensive line. I think they can get a good offensive lineman in either free agency or the draft, if they want to draft 
If they want to draft a good starting one, they're going to have to draft him in the first round and then have to find another corner later. But I think they can go find a free agent or even a couple free agent linemen that would, would really benefit this team. I'm going to... So I agree that cornerback's the biggest need for this team. I feel like, you know, the more cornerbacks you get, the better. So I think that they... They should get a cornerback in the first round. I think that they should sign. Don't be afraid to sign cornerbacks in free agency. Mm -hmm. And if they can, I think they need to unload Xavier Rhodes. I'll I mean, be honest. I could see a situation where they trade away Xavier Rhodes for a fifth or sixth round pick. I'm going to be honest. I just thought about this right now. A good thing would be draft a young cornerback in the draft with your first pick and then sign a guy like Chris Harris to come take that spot. Yeah, I, was, I didn't want to say it out loud because it, it just sounds wrong. Nah, Same Chris Harris in purple. You're fine with it because you like the Vikings. Chris Harris. I mean, I don't dislike Chris him. Chris Harris could be in Minnesota, and I think that would be very beneficial for them. Also, they, they fired Mike Zimmer as their head coach, which is going to be immensely better for them moving forward. Um, I don't. I they hate hired, the pressure bubble. They're not going to fire Mike Zimmer. They did. He's not the head coach anymore. What? Didn't they? Or maybe it was the offensive coordinator that moved on to... The offensive coordinator went to Cleveland. That's who it was. Okay. But Mike Zimmer needs to release the grip on the offense. He needs to just give whoever the offensive coordinator is full reign of the offense, be full defense, and you're going to be fine. I I feel like... I don't think Everson Griffin is a huge need to resign because I feel like they could... Like I said, there's going to be some defensive linemen that fall, and that includes, you know potential late round like okay defensive linemen that should go in the top 20 are going to fall into the second round right which means second round defensive linemen are going to fall into late okay. second round or even third round so i think that they could get some defensive guys to plug in and play even at even in like the second and maybe even third round of the draft mm -hmm. i feel like and then just draft depth another big question mark for the vikings is you talk about frustrations Frustrations with the offense not passing the ball. And Stefan Diggs, midway through the season, looked like he wasn't going to be a Viking anymore. You're right. And there's even been some rumors of Stefan Diggs being traded to some AFC teams. And like <laughs> a And <laughs> you know, I, I could see that happening, and if that does happen, they need to get another receiver. They have to because they and they need a speedy receiver. A speedy receiver. Like a they need a guy that can win the deep ball. Uh -huh. Like the, like Stephon Diggs. They have to replace Stephon Diggs. That's yeah, and I don't know if they can get that unless they use a first-round pick, and I, they have they have bigger needs. They shouldn't. Yeah. All in all, I think Minnesota will definitely still make the playoffs. I think they're the safest team. They're the safest team to make the playoffs. Yes. They will probably go 10-6. and six. Just like this year. Just like this year. They're good for 10 wins. Mm -hmm. They'll spot us 10 wins. So, And they, they played against good teams last year, and you know, as once they figure it out, they can compete. Yep. So, All right, well, let's move on then. The Bears. Bears. They da, a, Bears. They, eight eight. they definitely underperformed. And we know Mitchell Trubisky. that Trubisky's <laughs> the problem. The problem is he's still there. For the, he, right, I looked at it. He, he is currently... The only quarterback on the Chicago roster. <laughs> but there's free agents. There are. There's a lot of free agents. Lots of them this year. 
Isn't Trubisky kind of expensive though? They're gonna pay him anyway. Yeah, they have to. All right, we'll get back to the quarterback situation. They're fine running back with Tyreek Cohen and Montgomery. Montgomery was probably the steal of draft last year. They got yeah, him in the third good. round. He's really good. Wide receiver wise, I think they'll be all right. Give a shout they, out to our boy Alex Wesley from yeah. UNC on that squad now. Go Bears! And he's. Uh, we talked about it. He's essentially going to be tasked with replacing Taylor Gabriel. Because Taylor Gabriel is a free agent and he won't resign. And he underperformed yeah. in the, with the Bears. Absolutely, from when he was in Atlanta. Underperformed for the Bears. Yep. But Alex Wesley, I think he is one of those under-the-radar guys that could take people by surprise. And I think he could take that role. He could make an impact for the Bears. Mm-hmm. If they have a quarterback. If but they have a quarterback. They need to find a quarterback. On the defensive side of the ball... They're, they do have some things to address. Yep. Danny Trevathan is free agent. free agent. They shouldn't resign him. Should. He's old. Mm-hmm. Their cornerbacks don't instill a whole bunch of. They, they're losing Prince. Ukumara. Ukumara, I guess that's his it. And I, I mean, who was a good who was a good starter level guy for them, but I think they need someone a bit flashier at cornerback that just makes plays all the time and mm-hmm. no that. They still, and they lost almost last year in free agency. I think we saw that reflect in, yeah. I mean, the defense was on the field way too much was like a huge problem. I mean, yeah. they held Green Bay to like 10 points and they still lost. Yeah. Also, like, if you know, um, Daniels, what's his first name? What was their backup quarterback? Chase Daniels. Chase Daniels started two games for this team and he should not be starting. No. At all. For anybody in the NFL. Um, I think that just is a tribute to how how sad we are with Mitchell Trubisky. I mean, and Trubisky's just not, he's not tough. I mean, mm-hmm. he, he runs the, when he runs the ball, he runs reckless. And, you know, he's it's not hard. good enough to like, you know, yeah. like, yeah. He's not good enough to be running around the field all crazy. Mm-hmm. And they need to do something about the quarterback situation. Yep. I think a potential upgrade... Well, there's been some talks about Cam Newton being a trade target for the Bears. And I feel like if Cam Newton goes to this Bears team and he's healthy, they're a Super Bowl contender. Yeah. Absolutely. I do too. Because Cam Newton's really... It feels like an eternity ago, but he's not that far removed from being an MVP of the league. Yeah. And I feel like he's still capable of performing at that level. I do too. Because he's still... If, he, if his arm is healed, he can throw the ball deep. So, so yeah, Cam Newton. I think this is the the one piece that they need to go after first. I think I'd be willing to give up a first round pick and see, hope that the Panthers <laughs> want to take Mitch Trubisky. Well, if you're gonna give him Mitch Trubisky, then I wouldn't give them a first round pick as well. I feel like if you want to get rid of Mitchell Trubisky's contract, you have to get rid of a first round pick. Okay. Or see. at least a second. Okay. I don't think the Panthers will. There's no way they'll take Trubisky in, like, a fourth for Cam Newton. All right. Well, we'll see him fourth. Let's go to our last team in this division. The Detroit Lions. Three, 12, and one. <laughs> they were, like, competitive in a lot of their games. Uh-huh. But Matt Stafford missed quite a bit of time. And I'm going to be honest with you, Matt Patricia is not the answer. You don't think I, He was my least favorite. Okay. <clears throat> Detroit Lions, you defunct, bad organization. They should have never fired Jim Caldwell. He went 8-8, eight and eight, and the Lions haven't done that good since. Yeah. 
Jim Caldwell constantly overperformed with this team. And, you know, I feel like a lot of other... Jim Schwartz still had the job after going 0-16. Yeah. And Jim Caldwell had two losing seasons in, like, seven years or something. Like, the be- the only time they've gone to the playoffs is under, under Jim Caldwell in the past, like, 20 years. Mm-hmm. And then they fired him after an 8-8 eight eight or, like, 7-9 season when they dealt with injuries. And they brought in Matt Patricia. And he doesn't know anything about anything. He wasn't even good as the Patriots' defensive coordinator. The Patriots' defense got better after he left. And former Bill Belichick coaches just don't pan out in the NFL. Coming from a Broncos fan, I could have told you that that was a bad idea. Yeah. That was my little rant on the Detroit Lions. Okay. Matt Patricia's an idiot. There's a lot to be done. Moving forward, yes, I was going to say, I think any single position in the draft will help them. Minus maybe a receiver. I think they're all right at receiver. Oh, Still yeah. Marvin Jones. And Kenny Galladay is a beast. Yeah. So I think any other position besides wide receiver will be an upgrade for this draft. They're picking at, they're picking at pick three as of right now if they don't trade out. So they're going to not get basically not get Joe Burrow or Chase Young. So any other player is going to be an upgrade for them. Yeah. Okay, with some of the rumors about Joe Burrow and Cincinnati, do you think it would be a bad move for Detroit to trade up and try and get Joe Burrow? I wouldn't trade. I would not try to get Joe Burrow. If anything, if you're trying to trade up, I would try to trade up to get Chase Young. Get Chase Young? Yeah. What do you think they'd have to give up their pick and then a second? Or I don't know. It depends on... I'm going to be honest. I think they're fine sitting at three because they could get Jeff Okuda. That's where he's going to go usually. Darius Slay is probably going to leave. Yeah, so you need to... That, that's an instant replacement right there. Jeff Okuda, I think, can play at Darius levels or Darius Slay's level. I think I think they're fine sitting at three. I don't think they need to move up. I don't think they need to move down. I think they just need to draft Jeff Okuda right there. Do you think that the biggest move for this Detroit team is to get a new coach then, probably? Yes, Absolutely. God, Matt Patricia is such a bear. Any of them. Okay, their roster literally is, like, barely different from, like, three or four years ago with, like, their core pieces that Jim Caldwell, like, Mm -hmm. made the playoffs with. If not, it's it might even be better because of their running back. Yeah, Kerryon Johnson. Yeah, Kerryon Johnson is the best running back that the Lions have had in years. They also have a dual dual threat in the back, though, because they still have Bo Scarborough, Alabama's running back, who... Was great too. He's there. He played really well down the stretch. I think they have a two-headed monster there at running back. That is great. I think so. I think running back's also okay as long. I think I still think you got to ride out Matt Stafford. I think he still has some some gas left in him. They're gonna receive. That's gonna be my next question. I feel like I feel like he could play a full season next year. Oh yeah, I think he'd be all right. I think they need to address the defense side of the ball. They are gonna lose their defense tackle, Ashawn Robinson. I think they need to resign him. They really should. And then draft. Any defensive position at number three and be fun. I think that they, honestly, if Detroit drafted, oh, they need to get some linemen too, mm-hmm. offensive linemen. They can solve that in free agency though. Yeah. That I'm, I'm pretty sure they have some cap room. I think that if they honestly used all of their draft picks on defensive players, it wouldn't be a bad move. Yeah. And then you know, like two offensive linemen throughout there for depth, because. This team has been getting rocked by injuries, and like, you know, that's only an excuse for so long. You need to find players that can step up, mm-hmm. like, and you know, I'd expect a guy like Matt Patricia 
to have a mentality of next man up kind of thing, and that's just simply not happening. Yeah. So. Anyways, all right, we're ready to put our way too early um, spots where they're going to end up. Granted, if they do what we said they did. If they do what we said they should do. Yes, so we're saying now the Chicago's quarterback is Cam Newton. Yep. Okay, go. And building off of that, Chicago with Cam Newton wins the NFC North, in my opinion. I feel okay. like the the quarterback position, I mean, the Bears are just so outclassed at quarterback compared to the rest of the division, but if they bring in Cam Newton, that can change the whole narrative. And I feel like okay. they can win the division, and that puts the Vikings at two, and I feel like Green Bay falls to three, and maybe misses the playoffs, but maybe, maybe, depending on the new CBA, if there's seven teams, they sneak in at like nine and seven. And then Detroit. That Detroit stays in the basement. Yeah. All right, so I'm going to also somewhat agree with you, but I think Minnesota will win the division this year. I think they will get their things ironed out. They're going to get some defensive players, some offensive linemen. I think they're going to win the division. I think if Chicago has Cam Newton, I think they take second in the division, which again, also puts Green Bay on the fringe. Yeah. And then Detroit. Detroit. I just, I'm not sure what it's going to look like with Aaron Rodgers. And I think that's the summary of the NFC North. Yep. Rodgers good, Packers win. Rodgers, Rodgers, Rodgers medium, Packers down. Yep. So it is. that's the NFC North. Coming up next, we have a shorter last segment for you guys. Just about some NFL trade talk that has happened. If you've stuck around this far into the podcast, by the way, Next year for your fantasy league, you can steal this name after a Lions wide receiver that we saw in our fantasy league, Hotel Motel Galladay Inn. There's a little treat for sticking it out this far. Coming up next, NFL Trade Talk. Sports. Welcome to the last segment of the cycle, 365 episode 23 recorded on March 5th. We never clarified that. Well, actually, started on March 4th. And now, it, now it's midnight on March 5th. We're wrapping up the show, and then we're going to go to bed. We got NFL Trade Talk. Biggest news for Broncos fans. It, biggest news in the NFL. Biggest right news in the NFL. The Broncos got a, a Pro Bowl quarterback for free. Basically. So for, these are, for you Broncos fans that don't know, and any other listeners that don't know, A.J. Bouye got traded to the Denver Broncos for a fourth-round pick. Basically, they Jacksonville basically gave, I mean, they. I feel like A.J. Bouye is like second or third round like draft pick worthy, yeah. and we got him for a fourth. He's a starter. What this does mean is that Chris Harris is, Chris Harris is gone. He's, yep. the, he's the odd man now. I'm going to be honest, though. I'm going to give a shout-out. I didn't think I was ever going to do this. John Elway. You made a good trade for once. I'm Congratulations. so proud of you. Yes. We're, we're so proud. I feel like you're learning from your mistakes. And if you draft or sign a good tackle to replace Garrett Bowles, we can forgive some sins that you have committed. Devontae Booker, Brock Osweiler, the list goes on. <laughs> Devontae Booker is a free agent. I don't Thank think he'll get re-signed. Bro. We, might see him been, in the, we might see him in the XFL next year. Good. He should have been gone years ago. But, but Derek Wolf also gone. But the big biggest news, AJ Boyer. Which means Chris Harris is out. This new secondary. Yeah, go ahead. Of AJ 
a healthy Bryce Callahan, Kareem Jackson, and Justin Simmons, because it's expected we're going to put the franchise tag on them. That's nasty. That is. That's a disgusting secondary. Mm-hmm. And that might be no-fly zone 2. Yeah, 2.0. Give me, all right. So, yes, yeah, so that's wonderful for the Broncos. We're happy about that. Good news. Give me one, one landing spot you think. We kind of already talked about it. I have mine for Chris Harris. Chris Harris, I mean, as much as I hate to say it out loud, there's a lot of sources tying him to Kansas City right now. There really is. And I know Chris Harris is a competitor. He mm-hmm. wants to be on a winning team, and he wants to go to a Super Bowl. So I wouldn't be surprised if we see Chris Harris in a Kansas City uniform next year. I wouldn't be surprised if we see Chris Harris in a San Francisco u- uniform. He has ties to there because of Emmanuel Sanders, basically. Who was also a free agent. Who's, I mean, you know, I I still see him potentially going over there. He, I don't think he wants to sign with a losing team for a bunch of money, yeah. but he's not going to be cheap for a team that's trying to find their final piece. And I, off of that, I'm going to go, we talked about earlier, Minnesota. I think Minnesota's a great, great spot for him. They need a replace. They need a replacement, and that's, that's a plug-and-play guy right there. Minnesota, I think Minnesota take him. I'm also going to look at a place like New Orleans. I think New Orleans Saints could take him. That's um, a good landing spot. They need they need a corner and they need a veteran corner and that would be a great, great place for him to land. And I feel like they don't want to keep Janoris Jenkins yeah. or Eli Apple. Mm-hmm. They're letting both of those guys walk. And he'd be a great compliment to Marshawn Lattimore who's, you know, he's a bit of a longer guy and, you know, he could play a bit more aggressive. And Chris Harris can just man up. Yeah, because I mean, he doesn't make like he doesn't get eight picks a year, but he doesn't allow a lot of touchdowns a year either. So, so I'd go with that. My team. Those are good, good fits for Chris Harris. There was one other trade you talked about today. Justin. Yes. So the um, yesterday happened yesterday. <laughs> um, the uh, Los Angeles Chargers traded away former Pro Bowl tackle who's not playing very well anymore, but Russell Okun to the Carolina Panthers. For another offensive line, Tira Terrasa. I've never heard of him, but at this point, Russell Okung is probably worth that much. Yeah. <laughs> this is a good move for, I think this is a good move for the Chargers. I think they needed to get rid of him. If you're in full rebuild mode, you got to get rid of your old players and bring in new. Yeah, and I th- and it's good for Okung too, honestly. Yep. I, he's not doing too bad for being his own agent, because mm-hmm. I remember when... You know, he decided to do that. Yeah. So. Also, I think it's also a good move to make because he was, I guess you could kind of couple him with Philip Rivers. I think they were a tandem, basically. If Philip Rivers gone, I think Russell Coombe should be gone as well. News from Adam Schefter, by the way, regarding the Broncos, an offensive lineman, Ron Leary is out. We're not cutting him. We're just not going to offer him a contract, okay. which is what we, we knew that that needed to happen. He's been missing a lot of time. Mm-hmm. So does Ron Leary land somewhere else. Where do you think he goes? The Chargers. You think they're trying to sign an old guy, though? No. I don't know where he fits in. I feel like he could go to the Vikings. The Vikings would be a good spot for him. They can get him for cheap, honestly. Yeah, the Vikings would be a good spot for him. We'd talk about that. The Lions. Lions. There's a lot of... You know, this this lineman free agency class is pretty good. Yeah. And, you know, even though Ron Larry's missed a lot of time... He's not a liability on the offensive line. No, I mean, he doesn't commit a lot of penalties. He was part of that Dallas offensive line that was unreal. Yeah. Like, he was the guard there. He was part of DeMarco Murray having a breakout year, so, like, kudos to him. Mm -hmm. So, 
Yeah. All right. Do we have any other news that we want to talk about? For football or just sports in general? We, we do football. Oh, Mike Adams retired. Okay. Um, he was a safety long time for the Colts. Veteran guy. We're talking about retirements, Vernon Davis also retired. Vernon Davis retired. He'll be a great analyst. He loves to talk <laughs> on the talk shows anyway. Yeah. So, all right. Those guys had good careers, you know. Mm-hmm. I don't think... If either one of them gets into the Hall of Fame, it's probably Vernon Davis. Maybe. I don't think he makes it, but... His prime was really good, though, with the Yeah, Niners. I still don't think he makes it. But anyway, that's it. kind of it for the NFL news. Um, free agency starts in, I think, 13 days, so free agency frenzy is coming soon. We will talk about that. We will, next week. But do you want to give a quick rundown of other things that are happening? Other yep. sports-wise, because we are covering all bases of sports. We're doing it right now. We're hitting our cycle. We are. The cycle. For you soccer fans, and if you are a soccer fan of the USA League, the MLS has started this week. I'm sorry if you are <laughs> a fan and you can't get access to Premier Games because there's like an eight-hour time difference. But anyways, it's here. Yes. Soccer has started for you fans. Congratulations. Have fun with that. Um, I mean, MLS said that it plans to be as big as baseball. And, uh, you know, if baseball keeps not punishing cheaters, which we haven't talked about at all on this show we t- about we the touched Astros. On it. We, touched we touched on it last week. but I mean, they're, they are getting hammered at mm-hmm. spring training yep. right now. They're, the boos don't stop, and I'm fine with it. I don't think, I don't think, I think they'll get booed all year. Absolutely. Like I think they deserve it. Yeah. Maybe not getting beamed every time they step to the plate. No, no, no. definitely boom. I'm not going to openly endorse that. Yeah. On the MLB subject, former MVP of the league, Christian Yelich, Brewers outfielder, signing a massive, I mean massive contract for $250 million. And it's, I think it's only for four years or something like that. It's... It's, it's kind of what we've been seeing lately, where these players sign one contract for a lot, and they're still at an age where when they get out of that contract... They can get another one. They can get another one. So Christian Yellow just said, basically, he deserves it. He was an MVP. I mean, we talked about it during the, the playoffs. If the Brewers had Yulich, then they could have easily made a, made a push for the World Series, I think, he was in out of the NL. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So when he's in, he's one of the best players in baseball. Yeah, um, and the backup is bad. So well, most most MLB backups are bad. So <laughs> just how it goes. Um, that's really it for the sports rundown. I mean, you got anything else? Steph Curry. Steph Curry is back in the lineup today because it's now Thursday morning. Thursday morning. That makes me so sad. I have an eight a.m. But <laughs> Steph Curry's back, and Jesse and I were both confused by this move. Yeah, I don't think he needs to play. I think he should just sit the rest of the year out and come back next year and make a run at it. I mean, the Warriors have already made it clear that they're tanking, so like, whatever. And I mean, you know, I saw this I saw this take on a Twitter, which is not a great place for takes, but I am going to bring it up. Steph Curry has been healthy for a while, honestly. And he's just now coming back in. And part of that's, I think is because Steph Curry couldn't carry this Warriors team to even an eighth seed in the West. I just want to point out, there are some other point guards in the league that have played with the same or even less talent following Kevin Durant leaving in free agency who've brought their team to the playoffs. So, you know, 
potential MVP candidate Russell Westbrook, best point guard in the league. But I think that does it for sports talk. On the spike, on the cycle, not the spikele. The spikele doesn't exist. No, but the cycle three six five. We have wrapped it up tonight. So thank you for joining us for episode twenty three. We'll catch you next week. Yeah, I'm Jesse Boot. Cody Stoffer. And Simon is not with us, but he will be with us next week. Simon is smiling. Have a good one.